in my mind, you know, for women, I think, especially women today, we all are so focused on, and this is what I found in terms of, because I do coach women, professional coaching on the side. And we talk about a whole bunch of things. One of the things are the topics that I, it's near and dear to my heart, obviously, is about financial independence, right? We're so focused on finding a job that, A, yes, we should love, we should, we should feel passionate about it. And then knowing how to ask, right, for our worth. We can go down this, this road about, you know, the fact that women make, you know, 80 cents of the comparative dollar, you know, and all this other stuff, right? How do we leverage the best deal, comp package, whatever it is? This is what I'm finding, that enough women are truly, fully understanding that, okay, so you're making this money, but now what are you doing with it? You're listening to the MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the milfiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, sexuality, and everything in between. I'm Jennifer Tracy, your host. So excited, you guys. October, I've been talking about this the last couple of weeks because um, October is LGBTQ History Month and we celebrate that here in the US We and you guys in the UK and Canada also celebrate it in October. Um, other countries have different, different months that they celebrate it, but here it's October, which is also my favorite month. I love October. I actually got married in October. I love the fall. I love the freshness. There's like a change in the air after the fall equinox, something magical happens. It also celebrates LGBTQ, which is very, very close to my heart. I currently live and have lived in West Hollywood for 20 years. And I love living here. I love the community here. I love how much the community embraces everybody. And that's something that when I move, I'm really going to miss. Um, I don't know when I'm moving, but it is it is probably happening because of school situations, which is fine. It's great. It's going to be a privilege to move where I'm moving, but I am going to miss that. I miss like, one of the things I love about West Hollywood is just anything goes, literally, <laughs> literally anything goes. And you can be just, you can let your freak flag fly and everybody just celebrates that. And there's something so beautiful about that. And having come from you know, when I was 14, living in Denver in a super, super white suburb of Denver, I started modeling um, professionally and I was thrust into the world of downtown Denver, like the art scene. I was surrounded by, you know, LGBT community at that time, which was 1990. And oh my God, I felt like I could finally let my hair down. And I, you know, was a cisgender, straight, white as white gets girl. And it was just so wonderful to be around this community of people who, I mean, I was a kid and I was surrounded by adults, which was really cool and great, but also they just were themselves and I wasn't accustomed to being around that. And there was something so attractive, so, so attractive about it. And then when I moved to New York, same thing. When I was like a day 18, I moved to New York and same, same. I spent a lot of time in the village back then. It was 19, that was 1993. 1993, I had my Doc Martens. I had my, mm, <laughs> oh yeah, I had all my little floral dresses. I had, I was very like Nirvana Pearl Jam era. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I was 117 pounds. That's a whole other story. Oof. Boy. 
I think back to that time. It's crazy. I lived in a women's hotel, you guys. I lived in a women's, actually, it was a women's Christian hotel, even though it wasn't like it was religious or anything, but like the founders and like how they got their money, I think, was through the church, maybe. And the first floor was like a salon, like a lobby. And you could have gentlemen callers up until 8 p.m. with you in the lobby, right? But they weren't allowed upstairs, which was great, actually. And there were women there from all over the world. That, I remember this one woman who was um, from Brazil. I say women. I mean, we were all super young, like for anywhere from 17 to, I think you had to be between 17 and 25 to live there. You got your own room with a twin bed and a sink and a window. And then it was shared bathrooms. And there was a phone in the hallway, a landline, because there weren't cell phones yet. I had a beeper. I had a pager. <laughs> and that's how my agents would tell me that I, they would page me at the end of the day and tell me about my auditions for the next day. So I would have to go to a payphone or that hall phone and write it down and then go look on the map. God, this is all coming back to me. I had to look on my New York City map and map out where the auditions were and how I would get from one to the next and which trains I would have to take. I can't believe I survived that. And it was in the dead of summer because my birthday's in June. I had just graduated. I turned 18. I flew to New York and it was hot as fuck. <laughs> I was going on auditions. Oh my God. You know what? Like just something so great about being just young and naive and just going for it. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself that summer. And then I had a nervous breakdown, I think in October and I came home and I went to college. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. But that's another story. So anyway, <laughs> I love how me talking about LGBT History Month led me into you know, the, the black hole of my, my modeling career. Um, 27 years ago. Yep. 27 years ago. Wow. 26, something like that. Holy cow. Anyway. So Clutch Gifts is our sponsor for today's episode. They curate these beautiful, beautiful gift boxes centered around sommelier small wines, sommelier tested small wines. And and I don't know if I'm saying that right. Some people say sommelier, but it's actually S-O-M-M-E-L-I-E-R. Sommelier. I think that's the French pronunciation. If I'm going back to my French, sommelier. Anyway, I'm totally effing it all up. Amazing wines. And then they pair them with these beautiful curated little gifts like candles and matches and books and board games. And you have so many things to choose from and you kind of just pick out what's going to be perfect for your person. And then they ship it to them. And then your person calls you and says, oh my God, I've never received such a beautiful gift box. Thank you so much. And you say, yeah, I know. And then to yourself, you say, I'm so glad I got that 15% off because I entered the code MILF15 in the checkout cart online and I didn't even have to leave my home. And now I look like a baller. That's your story. If you want it to be, just go to clutchgifts.com. So without further ado, here is my interview with Christine Joy Luxardo. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Christine. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? Oh, so good. I'm so happy to be here in your beautiful home and this amazing cheese plate that you made for me. I love you for saying that. First of all, I'm so excited to be on your show and to just have this girl chat with you. And secondly, you compliment me too much. That's just from Trader Joe's. It's like I'm telling you. Honey, oh it's God. a beautiful charcuterie. There, You guys, okay, wait a minute. It's so funny. Everyone does this when I, because I gush, as you guys know, I tend to gush over my guests because I'm just in love with them. Um. It's not just a cheese plate from Trader Joe's. It's on a beautiful, long, rectangular ceramic 
dish. It's got olive tapenade on it. There's perfectly washed grapes on the end. There's a cheese knife. I mean, come on. And she's got little side cheese plates with pictures of Swiss cheese on it. Come on. All right. I'm Thank a, you. Thank I'm an you. overachiever. You're welcome. No. <laughs> it's good. It's so good. It's so good. It's good. Okay. So let's dive in. So where were you born and raised? Oh, wow. Okay. Way back, way back when. So I was born in Taipei, in Taiwan. That's where my mom is from. And that's where my parents met. And uh, that's kind of where we kickstart this journey. Yeah. <laughs> Overseas. Yeah. I love it. And how long did you live there before coming to the U.S.? All right. So I'm going to give you, I'll give you kind of like the, the condensed version of the long story. But essentially, so my dad was in the Air Force and he's American, Italian-Irish descent, grew up in New Jersey um, when he went into the services and when he finished his military portion of his, you know, career, um, he basically took his engineering background and, um, decided to work for a company called General Instruments. So at that time, they were making semiconductors and basically all of the, the technology that was, you know, it was a booming industry at the time because of all of the military defense contracts. And so basically, I mean, they were building parts that went into fighter planes and, you know, that wow. sort of thing. So um, they opened an operations division in Taipei, and my father was, you know, relocating from the U.S., right, to um, to Taiwan. And I think it was just a really, for him, I, my father has always had a love of the Asian culture and obviously Asian women. So the story really kind of goes, you know, my parents met in 1968. And at that time, the expats would always love to go out to the officers' clubs. That was like, you know, that was the scene. That's yeah. where they were going out for cocktails and go dancing and meet the cute little Asian yeah. ladies, right? <laughs> Taiwanese girls. And my mom loved music, like all of the, just American music, all the import music, you know, Motown, all that stuff. She loved to dance. Mm. She really, that was her mm. jam. So my father saw her on the dance floor with her girlfriends, and he said it was love at first sight. Oh. Yeah, he asked her to dance. I know. Oh, that's so He sweet. asked mom to dance, and they always tell this story. I remember being a kid, and it was cute when I was little, but by the time I was a teenager, I'm like, you know, you guys, <laughs> I'm over it. it. Because they would say, and then we got married, and then, you know, and Christine was made in Taiwan, and there's a stamp on her butt, right, that says that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so when um when I we would live there till I was three, my sister was born, my younger sister, she's 18 months younger. And then when I was about three and a half, my dad um was basically given an opportunity to relocate back to New York. Um and we moved back to the US in 1974. Um my mom wasn't a big fan of that decision. And it, it was a troubled marriage pretty early on. So um, long story short, though, you know, my mom pretty much came to this, this country under duress. Mm. She felt she didn't have a choice and she didn't want to lose her girls. Mm. And so we ended up in New York. Um, we lived there for another six years. Um, and we can go into more detail about kind of what that was like. But what, when, what part of New York were you in? We the grew city? up in, in Long Island. In Long Island. In Long okay. Island, yeah. Um, same company, but you know, they had uh, New York, one of their New York offices were based in Long Island. Okay. So and so we kind of lived like the suburban lifestyle yeah. in Long Island. And you know, from the outside, we were just part of the regular 
you know, middle class kind of suburban families, but people didn't, you know, I think it was, for me, it was a struggle because I was born in another country. I had a mom that, where English was a second language. Mm -hmm. So that was already kind of a barrier for her to really get acclimated right. to this new country and this new life. And then, and then there was, you know, arguing and abuse going on in the household. So it was just, you know, those years were really interesting trying to grow up. And then also at that time, you know, being a kid in the mid seventies, when you're of kind of of mixed descent and you're growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood. Oh, sure. yeah. yeah. So, you know, I just didn't know yeah. kind of. You were holding a lot on your little six-year-old plate. You're trying to figure it out, right? Yeah. yeah so <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. So it was, it was definitely, you know, it was a, a lot of memories that, you know, I choose not to kind of go back and relive often. And, and there's, there's, I've processed a lot of that. And, you know, I, I understand that those experiences have actually helped to mold and shape who I am today. So I'm grateful for all of it. But those, it wasn't really the happiest childhood, mm. to be honest. And then when I was nine, you know, my father was given the opportunity to go back to Taiwan again. And, and my mom was so happy about it. Um, but I think that was truly the, the beginning of the end to the marriage. Cause we were there for three more years and it was, my mom was a completely different person. I think she had evolved living in the States and, you know, I think it was for her, I think it might've strengthened her a bit to come back to her home country and to be able to reconnect with family, sure. um, who had actually, in all honesty, kind of abandoned her when she had made the decision to marry an American man. Mm -hmm. And um, so we lived there for three more years and then moved back to the U.S. again permanently when I was 13. Wow. Well, what was it like going back to Taiwan when you, I'm, I'm sorry, Taipei? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, no, Taipei. So Taipei is the capital of Taiwan. Okay. Um, and I got confused. Yeah, for no, a it's all good. That's, yeah. Whitey McWhitey over no, here. No, it's um, <laughs> so. But wait, so okay, so you moved back to Taipei, the capital of Taiwan, when you were nine. What was that like, making that shift back again? I mean, I'm sure you were still swirling within what you were describing as a dysfunctional household, anyway. So no matter where you go, there you are. But uh, for me, I think at that point it was, you know, when you're a nine-year-old kid, you you have your friends, but I think that age. To, to kind of make that transition, to make a major move like that. If I look back, I would say I'm glad it happened when I was nine. Yeah, and not, I, 13. not when I was 13, yeah. right, or 14. Yeah. Um, you know, again, my dad, he, he, he was a senior leader. He was at a, held a very high position in this company. You know, we, we lived like expats. You know, we went to a private, private English-speaking school, um, international school. But the same thing, too. It was really difficult to, I think, acclimate because not so much that we didn't want to make friends or try to, you know, establish a sense of community there, but because things were so bad at home and always so bad at home, it was difficult to have friends come over, you know, mm -hmm. if my dad was, you know, had way too many drinks. Mm -hmm. um, it was difficult to have friends come over when my parents were screaming at each other. So, you know, during those years, it was almost like we, we kept all of the, the, the stress and the pressure of what we were experiencing at home um, to ourselves. 
Right. And I think that's also kind of combined with, you know, there's a, there's a cultural influence there too. You know, in the Asian culture, you don't share anything that might cause you to lose face. Ah. Right? Yeah. So. Got to keep it together. Got to keep it together. Yeah. And you have to have the semblance that, you know, of, of a life that is charmed. Yeah. And, you know, and there's no trouble at home. And, you know, having an Irish Italian Catholic father who's, you know, where it's the same thing too, you know, you keep, you keep your problems in the house. You don't talk about it with other people. Um, yeah. So yeah. it was, it was definitely an interesting way to grow up. And I think, you know, it's on the one hand that, that represented its own challenges and had its own impact. On the other hand, I have to say, you know, I just, the ability to experience my life in, you know, two different countries and also experience, you know, the both sides, right, of my ethnic makeup, you know, the, the differences in these cultures, I think was very powerful. Because, you know, I there were as an adult now, I think for me, I pull the positives out of both of it. Like mm. growing up in New York taught me even in Long Island taught me to be a pretty tough kid. Yeah, there's street smart that I learned when you are with a bunch of kids, a lot of my friends are, you know, we're from like Queens and Brooklyn and yeah. just, you know, yeah. even and hanging out with people that are from like the tri-state area. There's yeah. like a certain level of uh, yeah. street smart that scrappy. comes, scrappy that comes yeah. with it, which I really appreciate. Yeah, that's, yeah. You know, and then on my mom's side of the culture, which there's so much, I don't know, beauty and elegance and history about the Asian culture and specifically about being Chinese. I remember, you know, sometimes after school, my mom would take us to to take walks and sometimes the local gardens and we would walk around the temples and, you know, you just, that was just, uh, you that's know, really magical. It was, it was very yeah. magical. Going grocery shopping was so much fun too, even on weekends, yeah. right down the block we would have, you know, that's when I was actually introduced to the concept of a farmer's market was growing up in Taiwan, Yeah, you know, where you would literally go down the street, literally two blocks away. And every morning, Ugh. you know, it's like fresh fruits and vegetables. I mean, you get to pick your fish of the day literally out of the fish tank, you know, wow. what you're going to cook for dinner that night. And so just experience that was was wonderful too. Mm. That's so neat. That is so cool. So, okay, so you're a teenager. And I'm sorry, you said you moved back to the States as a teenager? We, yeah, when I was 13. Okay. In time for eighth grade. Oh, just in time. Just in Puberty. time. Puberty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And, and you moved back to New York again? Moved back to New okay. York, back to Long Island for good this time. Okay. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then you met your scrappy friends <laughs> and you guys hung out and you you were like West Side Story. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> kind of Man, sorta. you're a jet. You're a jet all the way. <laughs> um, so funny. I mean, yeah. I was just actually thinking about this the other day and I was talking to Sabrina about it. Mm. In my super duper, super duper, super duper white high school, private high school in the suburbs of Denver, we did West Side Story my senior year. And I really wanted the part of Anita, right? Me, like super white, super blonde. And so I got the part and I wore a wig, like a like a curly wig. This is 1992 or three. I can't remember if it was a fall or I graduated in the spring of 93. Anyway, and I put self-tanner on. Right. Now I'm a 44-year-old woman looking back at that. I'm like, that was so racist. <laughs> like, that was so culturally appropriation. That was like so, you know. But I mean, the fact was there were, we did have um, ethnic 
ethnic. We had uh, girls that were, uh, one of my best friends was Lebanese. She should have gotten the part. Anyway, there was this whole long list of things, but I look back at that and I'm just like, wow. Anyway, that just reminded me of the West Side Story thing of how that would not fly today. <laughs> I know, but I'm sure you looked hot, right? And you got the part, so you gotta do what girls gotta do what the girls gotta do. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's almost embarrassing, but I was like, I gotta share about that because it's just like, what were we? I mean, and I was 17. Like, I mean, you know, I, I take some responsibility, but what were the adults thinking in that scenario? Like, oh, this is fine. I'm thinking they thought that she's super talented and she looks the part and she's hot. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'll take that. I'll take that for now to make myself feel better. But oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So anyway, so um, I digress. So you're in New York and then, um, and then what happens? And then what happens? To your young adult life. To my young adult life. I think it was, everything did kind of come to head when we moved back. My mom had had enough. Um, I remember when I was little, especially the first, the first six years of living in New York, you know, some of the memories that I had, it's, she literally came to the U.S., you know, again, not speaking very much English, not having a network of support here, didn't have a job, like my dad controlled the finances. I can't imagine what she went through. And it was literally, it was like watching somebody trapped in a no-one situation. Um, my mom, you know, is in a new country with two little, basically two toddlers, you know, trying to navigate an abusive marriage mm-hmm. with an alcoholic, mm-hmm. you know, who's, you know, basically is, is controlling the reins, mm-hmm. right? To her credit, this woman is unbelievably resilient. Um, and, and she's fierce. You know, like... My mom is fierce with a capital F. I love that. Yeah. And she really pushed through. And I think what was really important for my mom is that as she was starting to pick up more and more, you know, of the English language, and she was starting to make some friends, you know, even back in the 70s, you know, we had some empowered women, you know, that were guiding my mom, Mm. you know, to, to just try to do better for herself. And they encouraged my mom, once she had a grasp of English, to try to find work. Mm. Um, and that was really difficult. My father was dead set against it. He felt that, you know, her job was to stay at home and take care of myself and my sister. But I'm actually really proud of my mom that she, you know, she did find employment. And it was interestingly enough, my mom found employment at a company in, in the same industry as my dad, so kind of in the semiconductor industry, basically working, doing just um, soldering work, basically manual wow. labor, right, wow. for minimum wage. Yeah. But it gave her some sense of independence, and it put her outside of the home and in an environment where she could just start to grow, I think, yes. as a woman. Um, and she found a caregiver for me and my sister. And, you know, it's, it, that was like some of the first steps of my mom trying to find independence. Um, and I think, you know, obviously, as the years passed, my mom was growing stronger as a woman and she was coming into her own. Um, by the time we moved back to the States the second time around, I think she just decided I had had enough. And I want, you know, so when I was 15, my parents, my mom actually initiated the divorce. Um, and that was definitely not an easy road for, for either of them. Yeah. 
my experience too is even during that time, like I had to be an advocate for my mother. Mm. But that was a role that I played, you know, my whole life. Like when my mom couldn't speak English and we had to go to the bank or the grocery store and she had a question about something, Mm. I was translating Mm. for her. If she felt um, she was in a situation where she was either being disrespected and didn't know how to respond or, you know, I'm the one that would basically be her mouthpiece, even as a kid. And I was speaking to adults on her behalf. I'm so passionate about this. Like it's my whole life. I feel like I have always wanted to protect women, to find a way to empower them, to like use their, their strength, their voice, to go after what they want in life to find a way to build or establish some platform of independence so that they have choices, Mm. you know, Mm. to not find themselves stuck. Um, Yes. And I think, you know, having the mom that I, I, in the situation that she was in growing up in the household that I did, I think that was kind of the boot camp of training for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, so 15, my mom decided to to initiate a divorce and it was a pretty messy one. Um, But you know, she got through it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you guys all got through it together, mm. you and your sister and your mom. We did. And then you ended up going away to college on a full ride. I, I read the Voyage LA you did. article. <laughs> <laughs> well, the story, the story goes kind of like this. Thank you for mentioning that. But, um, cause that's impressive. That's not an easy thing to get. It was such, thank you. It was, it was such a, an interesting decision for me to make. And I'll tell you, so I ended up going to a university in Long Island that gave me a full academic scholarship. It was not my top school. It wasn't my first pick, but it was the right pick. Mm. Because I knew that if I, my my number one school, which I got into was NYU. Mm. Um, At that time, my parents, you know, as divorce generally happens, to to impact couples this way, but really kind of financially destroyed both of them, yeah. right? So there was no money unless I wanted to take oodles of student loans out. And I had already learned very early on by, by growing up in a household where my mother had no money to call her own, right? No financial control over her life that I needed to make fiscally responsible decisions if that's what I wanted in my mm-hmm. life. So either I could go out and you know, basically take on a ton of student loans to go to the school of my choice, or I could take a free ride, right, and call my shots and and basically graduate debt-free. That's incredible that you had that level of awareness at, what, 17, 18? That's, I mean, most kids don't think they, like that. It's interesting. But you know, the funny thing is this, is, is if I look back, and this drives me nuts today, Jennifer, is that, you know, by because of the sheer reality of, of my life and my situation, I had no choice but to become financially literate early on. Mm. I had to write out the checks for the bills for my mom. Right. Oh my gosh. I had to help her understand, you know, kind of I was reading through financial documents in high school. Like when my mom was working, like what is what is what's 401k? What's Wow. So I was already doing my homework. That's great. Early we on, should make that. We should mandate that. <laughs> we, it drives me nuts Seriously. that this is not yeah. something that's required. Yeah. It's not required yeah. education in schools. Yeah. We it's teach terrible. our kids. I mean, don't get me wrong, because some of my favorite classes in high school were in the arts and literature and all that stuff. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know, if, and 
this isn't often taught in household. It no. really isn't. No. And I think, you know, kids today, um, it just blows my mind what how they treat money. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was in college. I remember in college, my first day at BU, well, I had transferred to BU, but so it was my second year of college, technically. But they there were all these people, this was 1994 or five, and they signed me up for a credit card. I didn't really know what I was getting into. And they gave me some insane limit at that time. I think it was like, Fifteen thousand dollars or something. I mean, I didn't. I didn't really even have a concept of what I was getting myself into. I just was like, "Oh, free money!" Like I was so just naive, you know. But I, yeah, it's dangerous. It's really dangerous. It really can be, and I. It's it's. But it's also one of those things too, where it's it's you know it's exciting. Like you, all of, of a sudden, you felt like, "Oh, I do have some fin- independence and financial yes. control." But what we don't realize, and it's it's, it's that. It's very easy to go down this really dangerous rabbit hole financially um, if, if we don't really understand kind of how money works. You know, a couple of years ago I read, um, I read a book about planning for like wealth in the future. Just, you know, there's so many great authors out there. I mean, someone as basic as Susie Orman. Yeah. It's like, you know, just, yeah. and it was stuff that I hadn't even thought about that I should be paying attention to in terms of how to protect myself and my family, not even so, because I was, I was reading funds on uh, books on mutual funds in college, you know, like, you know, saving money, like where should I be putting it? That's so sexy. You know, inflation, (laughs) inflation versus like, you know, interest rates, you know, crap. So, you know, and it's, and it was just like, oh, okay. If I am head of household and I'm, you know, the primary breadwinner, and I've got two children to support, like, what happens if something happens to me? Like, things that people don't necessarily want to think about. Do I have all the right legal documentation in place? You know, how often should that be updated? Have I named someone that's going to step in and speak for me? A million percent. A million percent. And then there's, you know, there's amazing platforms out there, like digital platforms out there that you could actually... There's ways that you can do this absolutely turnkey, low cost, low yeah, cost totally. like where you don't necessarily yeah. have to call a lawyer. And then you know, I think I think a great book that women should read is um, "Rich Dad Poor Dad." I don't yeah. know if you're familiar oh, with that book. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and it's just again, it's a little bit of a reminder on you know, it's not it's not just about making money to pay your bills. In my mind, you know, for women, I think especially women today. We all are so focused on, and this is what I found in terms of, because I do coach women, professional coaching on the side, and we talk about a whole bunch of things. One of the things are the topics that I, it's near and dear to my heart, obviously, is about financial independence, right? We're so focused on finding a job that, A, yes, we should love, we should, we should feel passionate about it, and then knowing how to ask Mm. right for our worth we can go down this this road about you know the fact that women make you know 80 cents to the comparative dollar you know and all this other stuff right how do we leverage the best deal comp package whatever it is this is what i'm finding that enough women are truly fully understanding that okay so you're making this money but now what are you doing with it yeah yeah right yeah are you how are you investing yeah right goes even beyond spending. Like, I mean, what are you doing to create a platform that, that supports your dreams, your happiness, your independence, yeah. your ability to make choices? Yeah. So if you've got a crappy partner, you can walk away. Yeah. Right? 
if you are in a job situation that is not serving you anymore, right? That it's okay because you know you got a couple months yeah. or a year or a couple of years. Yeah. You know that allow you to take the time that you need to find something else that that's commensurate with your experience and your expectations about pay. Yeah. You know, so you don't stay in a job that you're miserable at. Yeah. No, having those skills is equal to and and utilizing them of what you're talking about, investing in yourself, really. It's, mm-hmm. it's your, like, buying your freedom pass, basically. You're buying your own freedom. You're buying your freedom pass. And you know what I'm finding, too? It, you know, we talk about also women, like, know your worth or, you know, mm. communicate your worth or ask what you, for what you deserve. But it's really hard to do that when you are in a place where you feel very vulnerable. Mm. Where you can, if you can't look around and go, you know, if I'm going to be on my own, if I have to be on my own, if I have to pay my mortgage, if I have to X, Y, or Z on my own, yeah, I can do it. So by the way, you know, Joe Schmo on this date, you don't get to disrespect me, right? Or, you know, senior leader in this company, you don't get to manipulate a situation in this way at work you know i'm not going to tolerate it yeah because i don't need this shit yes so yes <laughs> preach <laughs> so i want to i mean there's so much there's so fascinating and thank you for sharing that history about your your origin and your and your mother's journey because i do think that's so interesting and when we look at like the lineage of our mothers and you know i could go off about mine i'm not going to right now but not go off about her, but I mean, I could go on about my mom and what I've learned from her and like, and then her mother before her and her mother before her. And like, just looking at the choices that they were faced with, you know, within their circumstances and how I'm now doing what I'm doing. And I'm so grateful that I have the ability to make the choices that I have, you know, that I am a single woman divorced amicably and you know, forging a new path for myself. That's something that nobody in my maternal line was able to do, you know? So you're a pioneer. <laughs> okay, I'll like, take it. And I'm going to give you extra badass credit because you have to figure this out on your own, right? Yeah. yeah. And on top of that, you have a son, which mm-hmm. means that you are, you're modeling the type of woman. I have a feeling that he's going to find a partner that, you know, is, is very similar to mom, Mm. which is a great thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So good for you. I tip my hat to you, my dear. Thank you. I do. Thank you. Um, so I want to talk about your journey to motherhood. So we're going to (laughs) skip several steps. So I know you went to New York, you went to Long Island for college, you did that. And then you went to Manhattan and you kicked ass in Manhattan Kind of Can you give me a little oh, bit yeah. of that? Yeah, no, I, you know what? So I, um, senior year of college, this was, so I graduated in 1993. I'll be 48 this year. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love it. It feels so good. It does feel oh, good. So good. And it looks pretty fucking amazing uh, too. Yeah. So, right. Well, <laughs> as I look at this gorgeous woman in front of me. Okay. Well, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Cause now we're going to go on this tiny rabbit hole. When I first met Christine, it was at the self-care project, which Jackie McDougal hosted, um, along with Suzanne Gilbert-Glenz, both of whom have been on my show. And I was sitting at the Oxford house and I was sitting next to Christine and I just kept looking at her and I, and you were so, you always are so beautiful. And I was like, 
she, I, I recognize her from something. I think it was from Instagram. I don't know what it was from or some article I'd seen you in. I don't know what it was, but I was like, I know her. I thought you were an actress. And I felt a little like giddy, like, <laughs> like I had a little crush on you. I was like, she's so pretty. She probably won't even look at me. And then you turned to me and you smiled this radiant smile. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. She looked at me. Like, You're so generous. It's true, it's I think true, I was sporting like it's a true, huge, true. like, like, 40-year-old, you know, acne sit. I think that day I saw That is nowhere near my memory of you. My memory of you is completely Photoshopped oh beauty, God. flawless skin, oh. and like, wow, hair, just hair, just that hair. Okay, so, uh, but okay, so you're, so you went to Long. All right, so, okay. right, so I, I 1993, um, and we were just actually coming out of recession then too. So the job market wasn't in our favor. Um, and if you're in the East Coast, you know, you're generally trying to get a job in New York City, primarily, you know, in financial services. There are a lot of people that kind of went into, you know, the stock market and all that stuff or finding something in advertising. My friends who were seniors a year ahead of me were really struggling mm -hmm. to find work. Um, some of them opted to go on to grad school, get their MBA, whatever. There were some that had to take a year or two off. And so I was like, you know, so... Uh, senior year, first semester, I decided to get my resume pulled together. You know, I wasn't going to wait until last minute. And, you know, I sat down with some professors who could help me in the business department. And I did that. And I started interviewing while I was still in school. So this was, yeah, senior year, second semester. And um, interviewed with a number of different companies. The one that was most attractive to me was obviously a multimedia company based in New York, you know, Rupert Murdoch's News Corporation. <laughs> like, so I think awesome. about that. Back then when he used to own like HarperCollins Book Publishers, wow. TV Guide. Do you even remember TV of Guide? Of course I right? do. Of course I do. Fox was just like, it was just, that, that was falling kind of under yes. the umbrella. I mean, so it was really neat. And I went to work for their printing division mm. um, because they had initiated in that particular year this new sales career track program. Um, and they were actually heavily recruiting from top schools in the East Coast. Why they picked Hofstra, I have no idea. Because they were recruiting from Notre Dame. They were recruiting from like, I mean, all these Ivy League schools. And, and they came onto the Hofstra campus. And I remember going, this is the job I wanted. So when I ended up getting the call to come in to interview, because they were basically initiating their first class, their beta class of undergraduate, um, recruits that they were going to develop along this sales career track and basically yeah. turn us into the, their top performers, sure. right? They were grooming you guys. They were grooming yeah. us. There were 10 of us. 10 of us selected across all these schools, and I happened to be one of them. I was so excited. Um, and we were in this big boarding room in Midtown. I mean, literally, like this beautiful, like, mahogany table. Wow. And, you know, they had croissants and all kinds of pastries in the middle of the table. Nobody wanted to touch one. We were also stressed out studying the list of senior leaders that we were going to meet wow. with. Yeah. It was so great. And I remember, I, you know, to this day, I just, the, the memory of this is so vivid for me. I felt so intimidated. For as confident as I, I was as a kid, and as confident I was in high school and college, in this moment, I didn't feel like I was worthy. Mm. You know, I was here with all of these like amazing candidates from schools that were just, I mean, prestigious schools. 
And to be one of ten and look around the room and to feel that ancient, uh, that the tension and that yeah. energy and that competitive energy already, because oh, you know yeah. it, New York's like, oh yeah. And I was so stressed I'm nervous, out. Just I was, <laughs> and you know, the first couple of interviews, you know, I felt I had ace, but there was just this one, and this is the one that drives me crazy to this day. She was the first female executive that interviewed me that day. First female, and maybe it's to my benefit that she decided to be the, the, she was the hard ass of all of them. And when she, at the end of our half hour interview, she goes, what makes you think you're more qualified than the rest of the candidates in the room that have graduated from more prestigious schools than you? No, wait a minute. Were you in the room with all the candidates? No, this 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 is a one-on-one. This is a one-on-one. And I was like, I, I got mad. It was a fuck you moment. Really? It was. And then all of a sudden, the the Christine that, you know, wanted to protect my mom, wanted to be, you know, just I was always the voice in my group of friends. Like, I'm I'm the one that's going to step in. And uh, if I have to tell somebody off, I will. Yeah. But that, that, I'm so glad she asked me that question because I said to her, I said, listen, I said, I'm not worried about it. I said, I'm going to lead by example here and I'm going to show them how it's done. You know? And what was her reaction? She's she was like, floored. She's like, good answer. Oh, yes. Good that answer. So sexy. Oh, my God. That's good amazing. Answer. And you yeah. were what, 22? Yeah. That's so amazing. 22. Like, trust me, when I walked out of the room, I think I was in a daze. I'm sure. I literally felt shocked. like someone like sucker punched me. But it was, you know, but. I love yeah, that. Yeah. I love that. So it, then I ended up getting the job. So. Oh, gosh. And how long did you stay there? So I was with that company for a total of six years, actually. About two and a half, almost three years in, um, it, you know, I was pushing for promotion pretty quickly. And uh, they didn't have an opening in Manhattan, but they did have one in L.A. So that's how you and came And that's up how here. I ended up in Los Angeles. Oh, I yeah, see. I jumped at that opportunity really, really fast. Because it was, you know, it was, first of all, not married, no kids. I was just, you know, rent. I just had to yeah. worry about rent. Um, no car, payment. You know, I just, yeah. you know, nothing to really tie me down. Yeah. And I am... I am, I'm an adventurer. So I, I love, you know, trying new things, seeing new places. And so this was a wonderful opportunity. And, and I mean, talk about, you know, it would be one, one level of compensation increase if I stayed in New York, which mm-hmm. would be okay mm-hmm. if there was an opening. But to have to relocate, they know that that is, yeah. you know, that's Massive. a bigger ask. And yeah. so um, the increase in pay and, you know, opportunity was much more significant. So that's why I ended up in Los Angeles. I remember they sent me on a plane in November of, gosh, this is 95, to just meet with the office out here to see if I'd like it. And they were so smart, man. They put me up in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and literally, I'm just like, as I think about this now, I just, you know, and I'm waking up to 70 degree weather, 75 degree weather, and it's sunny and there's palm trees. And that happened to be like one of the worst winters in the East Coast too. Yeah, you're like, like, done deal. I don't have to shovel myself out of my apartment in snow to, you know, to get on a subway. I mean, I think I could do this for a little while. And I've never looked back. I've been here ever since. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I want to skip ahead a little bit to you becoming a mom. Okay. So what was the, that journey like for you? Did you always know you wanted to have kids? I had no interest in becoming a mother. Mm. That was not... I love it when women say that. It, I, I just, love it because I, I want to hear that journey. Yeah. It, you know, it blows me away because I can't even imagine my life 
without these two beautiful individuals. Recently, somebody asked me, Christine, you know, have you ever been in love? You know, because it's it, pretty much every major long-term relationship I've been in, I've loved deeply. I've been the one to decide to leave, you know. And, you know, girlfriend who was just trying, you know, she, we were just having a deep conversation. She's like, do you think you were ever in love with your partners? Do you know, do you, what's that feeling of in love for you? And I was like, I know I've loved deeply when it comes to partners in my life. But that, that in love feeling, I would say I would actually attribute to the love that I have for my kids. Mm. Like I'm so blessed that they're in my world because I could experience love that profound. Mm. Right. I so get that. And I always say, people ask about my son and I say, he's the love of my life. He's the love of my life. I truly, and they, I, I personally feel, I, I don't know if, if, I'm sure you can understand. They're the only two that can break my heart. Oh God. Oh, <laughs> tell me about it. I know. I'm already like, I mean, you're, you're way ahead of me because you guys, yours are teens, but I'm already like, he's going to move away because he's just like me and he's going to yeah. want to get the hell out. And as he should, you know. And I'm just going to be like, ah, when he's 18, you know, but I want him to also, I want him to have that experience, but I know that it's like, and that's why even the days that are hard, you know, like today he stayed home because he was sick and I, you know, had to juggle some childcare. Luckily I was able to get some and, but uh, I have to just go, you know, this is so fleeting. This time is so fleeting and he's going to grow up and he's going to go away and it's just not going to be the same. It is. You, I mean, I, and I know you're having these conversations, I'm sure, with other moms, right, with older sons, but it almost happens overnight where, like, oh. the roundness in their cheeks start to disappear and you hear the, the deepening voice. of the oh voice. And it's... Because your boy is how old? Ryan will be 16, 16 in December. Oh my I know. He's almost driving. He's almost driving. And I've asked him, and he's such a sweetheart, because on, um, on his cell phone, his outgoing voicemail or you know when you called to leave a message it's still his voice from when he was 12 i think oh. and i've asked him not to change it oh. <laughs> so i can still hear that baby oh. voice when oh i call <laughs> and he's such a such a sweet kid he's so accommodating he hasn't changed it either either he wants to make me happy or he's just forgotten but you know because <laughs> everybody's just texting yeah, they now they don't call each other they don't call they each don't, other they don't leave voicemails no. no they don't leave voicemails and they don't write full sen sentences <laughs> And I'm lucky, you know, I'm lucky in the morning now. I remember when he used to wake up in the morning, I'd be in the kitchen, you know, and I'd, he'd hug me from behind and say, good morning, mommy, I love you. Uh. And now he'll like walk by the kitchen. He'll see me in the kitchen and I'll say, good morning, honey, how are you? And he'll give me the what's up nod and maybe a grunt if I'm lucky and then keep walking. <laughs> you know what I'm talking, the what's up nod? I'm already sort of getting that. My son is not, he is Grumpy in the morning, man. He's just like, and he goes outside to pee. That's his morning. No, we live in LA. We live in LA. He started doing this about a year ago. He goes in our backyard. I have this little bungalow in West Hollywood. He goes in the backyard and he pees on this gravel. And I come out, like if I come out in any, the next few hours, I see the wet swirly marks of where he's just like, I mean, it's so funny. I don't know. It's so that's such a man thing. It is to a go man pee thing. Outside, mark your territory. Mark your territory. Either that, or he's trying to write something. <laughs> both. I think both. I think both. Oh, oh my god. Boys are the, be boys the, boys are are the awesome. best. They, they are. are awesome. They are girls too. Girls too. But there's something about um, and having not grown up with brothers. 
yeah. or male cousins, or, you know. So yeah. Ryan is like, yeah, he's you know, he's just like this magnificent like experiment for yes, me, you know. Yes, it's yes. so amazing. Okay, so but you didn't right, want so, kids. So I didn't want kids. Um, I was too career focused. In yeah. fact, that was actually one of the reasons why my first marriage never worked out. So I was married before I met Ryan and Lily's dad. Okay, and uh, my. F- my only husband, actually, because he's the only one I was married to. But, you know, first very significant long-term relationship was um, he was 13 years older than me. Um, and that marriage didn't work out for a variety of different reasons. It was a very amicable parting, though. We did part as friends. Um, How long were you married? We were married for two years together for about six. Okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of the challenge, too, is that we really wanted different things out of our lives at that time. And he was ready to settle down and start a family. I think he really wanted a stay-at-home mom and mm. wife. And mm. he had this picture. He was ready for that. And I told him I had, I was, I was open to the idea of having kids, but I also really wanted to, to see where my career was going to go yeah. and to have time with him as a partner, to yeah. travel and do things together. Yeah. And he wanted to just get married and have kids right away. And it just, it, it was too much, I think, for me. Yeah. And I thought it was best, you know, so I walked away from that. Um, and then I met Ryan and Lily's dad and about a year after that. And it was super fun, kind of whirlwind, amazing dating, you know, like we were just crazy in love. Mm. And um, now, interestingly enough, you know, and I know so many women say this, but I really believed this could be the case for me, but I'd never had like really regular periods, mm-hmm. you know, my cycles. So, so mm-hmm. and, and for the six years that I was with my first husband, we weren't necessarily being very mindful not to get pregnant. Right. There are a number of times where I could have gotten pregnant, right. never did. And there was this idea in my mind that maybe my body, you know, if I was ever going to do it, might not even come easily for right. me. Well, right. long story short, you know, almost a year into to dating um, uh, Ryan and Lily's dad, we had, you know, we had a pretty fabulous, like, weekend. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were like, ah, you know, it hasn't happened yet. So what's the chances, right? Yeah. So <laughs> Wow. So we ended up, we were, and, and it came as a surprise in such a beautiful way. I, I was living in Santa Monica at the time. And their dad was living in this part of L.A. We, you know, I was already ready to buy um, a home, uh-huh. you know, actually my, a second property, believe it or not, because I already own in Santa Monica. And I was ready for something bigger. Yeah. And so we were looking in this area. So this is the house that, you know, we're actually chatting in now. Yeah. And it was during escrow. I thought it was just the stress of, you know, work and, you know trying to see if we could make this house work and all this stuff. I didn't realize that my period was, I was late. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I remember at that time going, man, you know, I don't remember my boobs ever getting this tender, Yeah, you know, before a period. Maybe I should. (laughs) So so long story short, we took a pregnancy test and there was a little man right there. (laughs) 
Yeah. And I remember that week too, freaking out like, oh my gosh, I've had like three girls nights this week, you know, where I just like, what was I doing? Like I have way too many apple martinis. And I mean, I I know everybody. Yeah. I did that with cheese. I was like, I ate cheese. (laughs) I mean, I think that's the American culture. It's, it's kind of alarmist about all that stuff. I mean, the fact is there's plenty of women that still smoke. I mean, I shouldn't even, but like, Parisian women that have a cigarette every now and again during their pregnancy, or not that you should ever smoke when you're pregnant, but I'm just saying, or or they have wine, or you know, right. it's just so anyway, we're yeah. we're almost like hyper vigilant about are. avoiding anything and everything yeah. that could possibly have an impact on a healthy pregnancy. Yeah. I tell you something, you know, Ryan was probably one of the. Mo- it was such a beautiful experience to be pregnant. Of course, you know, I I remember when I showed um, the pregnancy test too. Uh, my children's father, he's like, I'm so excited. Aww. He's like, I want this baby. Aww. You know, I want us to be a family. Ugh. And that was really hard for me because in in all honesty, to be completely transparent, I couldn't say the same thing. Yeah. And I, I remember I called my mom that night. I said, Mom, I don't know what to do. Like my career is really taking off. And, you know, I've only been with this man for just about a year. This is really going to fast track us into something I don't know. And she said, you know, sometimes, honey, sometimes, you know, someone upstairs has to make the decisions for us that Mm. are the best for us Mm. because we can't make them for ourselves. Mm. She's like, I'm not telling you what to do. But she said, I have no regrets. In spite of all the things that we've had to experience, she said, you and your sister are my success. Mm. That's chills. That's beautiful. So it was, yeah. So I mean, I am not, I have no regrets, in in light of everything I've experienced in my life, in my own life. Well, so then take me through that. So you had Ryan, and then had you Ryan. had Lily shortly thereafter. Yeah, pretty close yeah, in age. Pretty, yeah. So Lily is eighteen months younger. So my sister and I are Irish twins, and then my kids are Irish twins perfect. too. Yeah. So are they close? They are. Yeah, they are. You know, sweet. and I think it's, I think it's. For Ryan and Lily, it's, you know, they get on each other's nerves and always have, you know, sibling thing. Yeah. But my relationship with their father didn't last, you know, it, it, it didn't work out the way that I think we had hoped. Yeah. And so from very early on, because we separated when Ryan was, you know, three and a half and Lily was two, they've always had each other. So even if they go from mom's home to dad's home yeah. and you know it, it what was consistent was the fact that they were always yes, together yes and i think that's, that so that's comforting it is comforting and i think it, it's it, it it actually kind of helped to strengthen that bond yeah you know between the two of them you know the times that i remember ryan would antagonize his sister you know which would drive me nuts and sometimes you know i would be like Dude. <laughs> for the five minutes the mom can sit oh in quiet and yes. actually right you know why you yeah. have to tease your sister but he would be the first to come to her rescue mm. he, you know i we have i have this beautiful memory where we were actually west hollywood park and lily was playing you know by herself with a little sand pail and shovel mm-hmm. and ryan was hanging out in the jungle gym with some boys that he had met and this little boy i don't know maybe he had a soft spot for lily and the way little boys show it right so but he came over and grabbed her shovel and her pail and ran off with it and she started to cry she's like my shovel my pail and ryan jumped down from the jungle gym before i had a chance to even get up and, and kind of you know 
intervene, inter- intervene yeah. Yeah. right? He jumped down from the jungle gym and, and chased this little boy and was like, that's my sister's. Give that back to Aww. me. So it's so sweet, you know, to, to, to see that. Yeah. Um, they're really tight. Yeah. They're really tight. That's awesome. Yeah. So you found yourself in this position of being a single parent, but or not, but, and you had already done all this work at that time to set yourself up for this very thing of being an independent woman, having your own money, having your own career, having your own deal. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, it was still hard as hell. I'm sure. It was, it was so hard as hell. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jennifer, I, one of the things that I don't want to, you know, so I don't want to mislead. It's, you know, I'm not like a, you know, hey, this is not cutting it for me. See a piece, right? I'm not, we as women, man, we just exhaust all possible avenues. And we do as, I mean, by the time we're done, we were done a long time ago. Yeah. And I truly, you know, so I, I do want to make that clear that, you know, whether it was my first marriage, my relationship with Ryan and Lily's dad, like it, there were problems. Yeah. And there were problems that we were trying to fix that just couldn't be fixed. And, you know, I, for me, the, the, when you kind of get to this place where, you know, apathy sets in mm. and... It's just not healthy. Yeah. It's, you know, so I, so it it wasn't like I just woke up one night and said, Hey, you know, you're not, you're not as exciting as you used to be. So, right. But it was, and so we had our problems and we couldn't, we couldn't make them work. And I was very, very unhappy. Yeah. I was very unhappy. And so, you know, I think the decision to part wasn't easy. Of course. Um, I felt it was important, you know, to, to move forward. Um, I don't think he was very happy about that decision. And so, you know, it was, it was actually, it was difficult. I mean, you know, I, as I shared with you, lawyers had to get involved and, and, you know, sometimes when people hurt in a breakup, you know, they, they leverage anything that they can to make the other person or the other party feel that hurt. Yes. And so maybe in my situation, because I was financially stable and secure and, you know, for the better part of our relationship, I was the one who was the primary breadwinner. I, I, I think that was one of the ways that, you know, my, my ex could, could create an impact yeah. in my life. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you know, we go through that. Yeah. We go through that. You know, and I and I, so many, so many people go through that. Whether it's you know, husband suing wife, wife suing husband, yeah. you know, or just whatever the situation may be. Yeah, I think you know, in retrospect, and I'm glad that I didn't allow that process to go on longer than it should have. Yeah, um, is that all of that time, energy, and resources on a variety of different levels detracts from just moving forward and having a happier future. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, again, my mom being the wise, she, you know, she's my, she's my, she's the OG of coaching, you know, for me. Oh. She's like the original. Right? Is your the, mom still with us? My mom is still with us. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, she, you know, we do, we talk weekly. She's Where, still, she in, lives, she in still lives in New York. Oh my yeah. Gosh. She is, you know, she is, we have like a, a crazy Chinese American mom daughter dynamic where she still kind of wants to tell me what to do, but at the same time too, she's proud of my independence, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, you know, she's always been one of the first people, if not the first, that I would go to 
um, just to get her counsel because she's really wise. She's mm. been through a lot. And she, she, she reminded me, she said, you know, money comes and goes. Your health, your life, you don't get that back. And so while you're busy fighting, mm. right, she's like, you're not in a position to build your future. Yes. She said, it will come back to you, but you have to be able to have the time and the resources for it. And again, I said, you're right. And I remember calling the lawyers that week going, let's settle. Let's figure this out. Let's get this time. Let's get it done. Like, I'm I'm tired of paying for your vacations. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. Because that's what it is. Yeah. (laughs) So, so yeah. And I think, you know, that, that was, that was a really, that was a really hard time for me. I had actually, that was a tipping point, I think, in terms of my health. And that was scary. Yeah. Because what that felt like for me was, especially at the kids' ages, Ryan and Lily's ages, was, oh, my God, like, I'm my mom all over again. Mm. You know, I'm going, sure. right? I'm, I'm, I'm now, a, I'm, a, I'm basically, I've got, you know, two kids, and they're small children, and I'm in a, like a toxic situation and I, you know, I've with no one that's, you know, got my back and, you know, how am I going to do this? Yeah. How am I going to maintain like, you know, a career and still make sure that I can put a roof over their head and build for their future? Like, how am I going to do all this? Yeah. So that was a scary time for sure. Vulnerable speaking back to what you're saying about how does a woman express her worth and vocalize and, and ask for her worth when she's feeling that vulnerability. There's nothing more vulnerable than being a mama bear Right. And going, I have to protect these two innocent little beings. Right. I relate to that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, it just, but it does. It like musters courage and resilience. And listen, you know, I also think too that it, it fuels the fire in our belly to then go for what it is we feel we deserve. Yes. For the sake of our children. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Wow. Wow. So, okay. So, um, let me just look at the time. Let's kind of get present with like where you're at now. You have two teenagers that are just sailing. They're doing so great. That's got to feel really good. Yes. Thank you. I am so proud of these kids. I really am. You know, there's, trust me, as a single mom, I still carry guilt, lots of Mm -hmm. guilt, right? About not kind of creating with this picture of a family life. I thought I was going to have, you know, for these kids and, and for the amount of time that I didn't have with them, the things that I've missed to make sure that I could still prepare for their future, our future, their future. Yeah. But, you know, the interesting thing is, is that these kids are so, kids are so smart, man. They really are. Yeah. And, you know, I, they really are. I think if anything, it's, it's, it's given them also the ability to become independent in their own way as well. Yeah. Yeah. That it's I can like, even see that with my kids. It's really interesting. Right. Yeah. Like, and it's, you know, especially sons, yeah. because when they're, a friend of mine who's a, a, a child psychologist, but she said, you know, generally when the, the, when there is no father figure in the home, in the actual home, the son usually decides to kind of act as the man of the house yeah you know yeah and 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 you'll see it in how they love you oh my god right just the other day i was killing myself putting these pier one furniture never again never again i will only order fully assembled furniture or i should have followed my instinct which was 
to use TaskRabbit and have Alejandro, this very, very, very handsome young man who's come over twice. He put my son's bunk beds together and one other piece of furniture, I forget. Um, and he's very pleasant to look at while he's doing it. I want Alejandro. Oh, he's really, really <laughs> handsome. Very young, though. I mean, oh, it's, um, okay. But All I right. can just look at him and go, mm, yeah. you're yummy to look at <laughs> while you're putting my furniture together. I should have done that for like 200 bucks. But anyway, I spent eight hours and I had a breakdown. I was very premenstrual. And my son was outside playing and I started crying because of the table. And he oh. came over and he was stroking my hair and he said, it's okay, mommy. He said, I got you. He said, <laughs> cry even saying this. He goes, maybe you should just take a break for a little bit. <laughs> so beautiful. Isn't that the best? <laughs> so sweet. But it was like he took on that role yeah. of like yeah. the man in my life, you know, because know. he is. He is. But there's something, not only is that sweet, but I, I also feel that there's something about that that is, is wonderfully positive too. Yes, yes. There, our sons are going to be nurturing partners. Yes. They're going to know what it's like to be a very independent woman, be with a very independent yes. woman that's, you know, and and maybe because they grow up with the mothers that they have, right, they'll be able to to kind of know how best to respond. Totally. Right? Like he didn't try to fix me. Right. He didn't shame my feelings. He just held me in yeah. that emotion and let me have it. And then I got up and I, you know, did take a break or whatever. But I think that's that's a big thing. In all of my relationships, my romantic relationships, I never was with, um, I think men in general, and bless them, they don't know how to hold a woman in her varying emotional states. And that's where the whole like, oh, you know, woman's PMSing or the woman's crazy right. or the woman's unstable. You're, you're, or, you're right. You're emotional. You're being yeah, emotional. And it's, it's like, like, well, no, you, you as the man get to just hold the space. Like, let me storm. Let me be emotional. Let me, I will come around. Mm -hmm. This is my process. Right. But just hold the space, you know? And if I can raise my son to do that, he's going to win. <laughs> a million percent. Yeah. And I, you know, and that's just, hey, you know, Mars, Venus, yes. you know, all of that yes. stuff too. But I think how beautiful, and I'm so glad that, you know, I you can relate on this level. Like, I truly believe that my interaction, my dynamic with my son is in the hopes that, hey, I think I, I would love for him to find a partner, you know, someone that he's, I want him to find someone that he doesn't have to take care of, yes. or he's not looking for someone to take care of him. Yes. Like someone that he wants, that he wants to be with, that's going to challenge him. That's got her own passions yes. that, you know, whatever it may be, but then to also be able to to kind of best respond to, to her needs, her emotions, all of that stuff, yeah. you know, because at the end of the day, it's, you know, you just you want your kids to be happy Absolutely. too, right? So, and that's a skill. That's right. a skill that we learn whether right. we know it or not. not. Exactly. Okay. So, what are you up to now? Okay. So you were you started before we hit record. You were telling me a little bit about what you do, and and I want to hear too about the coaching. Okay. Because okay. I think that's so interesting and something that our listeners will really want to know yeah, about. Because you sure. have so much to offer already. We've already gotten so much just from this hour talking to you. <laughs> and we haven't even talked about what it's like to be almost 48 and dating. God. Oh, we've got to get into that because well, you know I have my it. stories. I know. Well, I'll leave it. Okay. So, so right now, I mean, in terms of my, my corporate career, right, it's, you know, I've, I've found myself really kind of, especially in like the last five to seven years, really gravitating more towards tech-based companies and even more so now towards mission-based 
companies. So some type of, you know, where there's an alignment with some type of do good in this world, yeah. you know, um, the last few companies, you know, I've, I've consulted with a um, great company. That's a platform in terms of delivering coaching to employee parents. Right. And, you know, uh, previous company was how do we distribute media ads, but in such a way that it gives a consumer the ability to opt into just watching ads. So stuff's not just pushed out to them when yeah. they don't want it yeah, and to reward them for that time, you know, in some way, shape or form, but they get to have control over that. Yeah. Um, and even most recently, you know, working with a company called uh, the Baby Box Company, which I love, but, you know, it's essentially delivering parenting education in a non-judgmental way to expectant parents. And then you're rewarded for just learning about, you know, different topics. And, you know, you talked about like postpartum. I mean, that's yes. also part of like, you know, their planned course content, um, but it's it's, it's, it's rewarding people in some way or, you know, doing something to kind of create some good in this world that's not just about selling stuff. Because I came from a background where I was, you know, I was working for companies that, you know, helped me help brands sell, you know, two or three more extra bottles of bleach to yeah. consumers. Yeah. And that kind of that transactional sale, although years ago was really, you know, it was lucrative. I was making a lot of money selling for those types of companies or establishing business um, development relationships with those companies. Um, but it just, it's not creating the impact that I'd like it to. And yeah. so more and more I'm continuing to move in that direction. And I'm actually looking for companies to align with and to support in that way, right? Where maybe, you know, some platforms, different companies that I'm looking at where it's, you know, maybe it's a subscription-based, um, you buy the service or this product, but a significant percentage of those proceeds are going back into the community yes. or back to help, you know, um, different, you know, I guess groups or, or um, causes where mm. they need the funding, you mm. know, so, so that to me is really important. And then I would say probably in the last three years now, I've been working with individual coaching clients, um, primarily focused on just like professional growth mm. and helping to navigate whether they're kind of through more so along the lines of they're still working in a corporate environment or company environment and how to how to negotiate better salaries, how to deal with maybe um, uh, like a, you know, it, it could be something as basic as, you know, they've got a very challenging situation with senior leadership. They're looking for ways to get more recognition or, you know, so it's really about helping to support them in terms of finding their voice which has a lot to do with what they're worth, you know, so. Do you primarily work with women co I, coaching? Only women? Only women. Yeah. yeah. Only women. Yeah. Um, not to say that I don't love the men. Yeah. But, right. Like, but, you know, how, how work dynamics are very different for women. I still believe that's the case, yeah. you know, and I, and after 25 some odd years of, uh, you know, kind of being in the corporate side of my life, the industries have definitely shifted and changed in terms of how women are supported, but we still have ways to go. Yeah. We really still have a ways to go, you know, and I just believe that it's, it's still just as hard for women to kind of break that glass ceiling. Yeah. So, but what I'm finding in terms of the women that I coach is that, you know, we start to talk about things outside 
right. of work. And oftentimes it gets into like relationships and that sort of thing. And, you know, and so it's the discussion and the tone and the direction that I take is, is very congruent with how they could potentially be approaching things from a professional perspective. And I try to help them kind of take a look at it. Like your, your personal life is the same. Of course, if you're going to write, yeah. if you're going to negotiate hard as hell yeah. for a great comp package, yeah. why wouldn't you do that in a relationship? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's the perfect segue into dating in your 40s. <laughs> let's, get, let's get in there. Let's get up in there. So are you currently dating? I Actually, I'm dating somebody oh, now. Dating somebody. I'm dating somebody now. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I would say that I'm, I'm, I have found myself in a relationship, pretty new one. Wow. Yeah. It's only been a couple months, five months, six okay. months. Yeah. Okay. That's- so. Substantial. It is. It. I mean, it is. It's. I guess. Right. And today, I think so. Yeah. And we're still kind of seeing where this goes, which yeah. is, you know, wonderful. I think as a single mom, who's got a very full plate, right, yes. and and yes. career and a whole host of other things, I I think it's it's not easy. It's not easy to date, and it's not easy to be in a relationship. Yeah. And you know, dare I say that, especially a woman in her forties. It's a it's a tough time, you know. I the men that I've met um before I met this current this current beau or partner mm-hmm. or what, you know, or I mean he's he's graduated from fuck buddy, so <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. <laughs> there has to be that component to it. Otherwise, I mean, why I mean, come on now. It's you know, that's that's gotta be good too. Yes. But yes. no, I mean no, he's when we met, it was we actually met um, on a dating app. Well, that's how, that's how yeah. it's happening now. I mean, that's, yeah. Um, and the first date was a FaceTime date. Oh my God. Because you couldn't, you were in different parts of the country or something? No, or? believe it or not. It was, we. I laugh about this now because when he proposed a FaceTime date, I was like, dude, what, what are you expecting to do on this FaceTime? <laughs> right, like, right, right, right. Yeah, right, like, right. mama don't play that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, what about taking me out to dinner? That kind yeah. of thing. And what he, it's so funny. He just, his way of dating now is to just have an opportunity to to connect with somebody and just speak with somebody and see if there's even a connection before you just show up on a blind date. Pretty much it's like a blind date, right? Yeah. Um, And realize now you got to sit through a dinner or something. Yes, that's true. And so, you know. That's pretty smart of him. He's he's a pretty smart guy. He is. Um, And. The FaceTime date, it actually went well. I, you know, so it was, it was, I would say that it was, it was good enough that he was interested in making sure that he was able to take me out to dinner before he had to go back um, on the road. So he was in LA. He'd been in LA for a couple of weeks. He was actually donating some time um, on the gentle, is it the gentle farm or the gentle farm? Oh, yeah. yeah it's right. I think it's called the gentle barn. Gentle barn. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, his dream is to own a, country estate yeah he wants to he wants to have a farm oh, at some point in the really future. cute does he's he have really a brother married <laughs> i was i was just about to go <gasps> married and in fact i've met the wife and the kids so oh, no i mean okay. wonderful yes yeah. brother's wonderful but you don't want to, that's that would be oh, god, say, right? no. oh god no <laughs> hell no but i'm sure he has friends yeah okay. so 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 you know so we're this it's been it's been a wonderful experience so far but i mm. i found that before he and he, Josh, so his name is Josh, let me put his name out there because I'm an open book, but 
I mean, he's, he's significantly younger. You know, he's 36, will be 36. I'll be turning 48. And I didn't necessarily go into this thinking that this was going to turn into something, you know, right? Yeah. That was substantial. substantial. Yeah. So, but it's, it's been, it's really been great. But even prior to, to even meeting Josh, what I'm noticing, especially as a woman at this age who already has kids, who's already has an established career, is doing her own thing, is that um, it's really difficult, I think, to meet somebody who kind of appreciates all of those different things going on in your life. And isn't intimidated. And isn't intimidated. That's the thing, yeah. I, I personally, this is my opinion, I think men that are quote-unquote age-appropriate for me right now, they, I've gone on a number of dates with men that are like, they don't know what to do with me. They don't. You know, they don't. I like, mean, I, I, I will concur. Like I just, that was, that has been my experience. And, and yeah, it's, it's again, I think it goes back to this thing of like that mother relationship that these men have had with their mothers, whatever, like it all stems from that. It really does. So would you say, cause in my experience, it's like, whoa, you know, okay. She's not necessarily looking to get married or have kids. Like she's been there, done that. Or, oh, she has her own money, so well, I can't really call the shots on this one. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, or, yeah. or it's, you know, it's, uh, wow, she's intelligent. So, <laughs> I mean, shit, you know. Or she drives, maybe she drives a little nicer car than I do. Yeah. <laughs> and it's such a, it's, yeah. it's almost like it's, they don't feel comfortable. They don't feel manly enough. Maybe, do you think? I think they don't know how to feel. I don't, I think they, and then this is a sweeping generalization, but I think in this kind of dynamic, they don't know how to access their masculinity Mm -hmm. in a way that feels satisfying to them. Because it's like, oh, you know, and if really, again, it goes back to that thing I was saying about you know, I'm, I was, I'm always so proud of my son and he can be a little shit too. Sometimes. I mean, we got, we got ready for school. We were late. And I said, we're going to be late for the bus. And he said, mom, I don't give a fuck. He's 10. <laughs> He's 10. And I was like, all right, glad you know how you feel about that. Uh, and you feel comfortable. <laughs> Jesus, what am I doing? But he has the ability because I've done that with him since he was a baby to like be with whatever's going on, you know, Mm. for me, for his friends, like he's, and even his teachers will say like, he is solid. Like he's the calm in the storm, like when things are going, you know, and he has his own storms. But I think for these men on these dates, like when I would show up for some of the dates, I, they would kind of just like be like, well, cause you're gorgeous. So since you walk into that, right. They're like, Oh boy. I think it's just, they just don't, again, they don't know how to access their masculinity in a way that's satisfying to them. Which is really, they just need to sit back and relax. That's relax all they have to do. Relax just be themselves and be vulnerable and just be, yeah. just, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess. Just hold the space. They don't have to dazzle. They don't have right. to. I mean, and I shared about this a couple of weeks ago on my last, my last solo podcast. I was in a relationship with this man off and on for a year that I was deeply in love with. I mean, just like hopelessly in love with mm. him and he had these certain insecurities and he kept pushing me away pushing me away pushing me away and part of it was you know he would share well I don't feel like I make enough money or I don't feel like and I was like I don't care about any about that I don't need your money I don't want your money I'll make the money 
you can stop working. Like, I don't, you know, I mean, I mean, I would say this to him like jokingly, but not, it's like, that's not what I love about you. That's not what I'm attracted to in you. And, you know, like he's a wonderful father and, but there's just some old training that they all have of, I have to be this provider and Mm. I have to be this thing. And it's like, you can provide for me in other ways. A million percent. That is is a mutual like give and take. And so I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answer obviously. And I, I always joke about romantically my my achilles heel is romance like it just i just can't seem to get it right <laughs> but um but yeah. you know but but that's the we have to keep putting ourselves out yeah. there though right but because i'm so glad you met josh and you guys are having fun we're having fun we are having oh. fun and he's a he's a great guy and a good person oh. and and it's a it's also a wonderful time i think in a woman's life given kind of you know where we both are at yeah. this life stage where we can go into this without any like expecting like specific hard outcomes yes. from the time spent like yes. let's just go with the flow yeah you let's know? enjoy let's each just other. enjoy each yes. other and let's just let's see how where it takes us and how life yeah evolves yeah. together you know because that's all that's going to happen anyway whether True. or not you think it's you know i mean i think back to when i had my wedding and my this right. and the, you know and the baby and it, none of it turned out at all how i thought it was going to and divorce is a wake-up call right yeah. in that there are no guarantees. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. We, we, my editor can cut it out or okay. we can just leave it. Okay. Say, well, that's phones. That's, well, that's my home line. That's where all the telemarketers go. Oh my God. It's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. They're the worst. And this is the hour when they call, right? They right. know you're going to be home. That's, right. that's um, right. Let's see. Okay. I think we're at the time all when right. I get to ask you the fun questions. <laughs> drum roll this has been so much fun oh my god this has been so much i've been fun. having a blast oh. oh thank you thank you okay <laughs> oh i just inhaled my own saliva for one second <laughs> <laughs> do you guys ever do that and you're like oh <laughs> excuse me christine's like uh no i never do that um what I, do you <laughs> what do you think about christine when you hear the word milf us <laughs> yes! Yes, yes, yes. You girl and me. <laughs> yes, no. yes. I actually yes, absolutely the two of us. I just in terms I think I think how about this? Any mom. Yes. Any mom. Any mom. Yes. Yeah. Amen. I, I, I honor all of us. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? Specific as, as specifically as it relates to dating and then even in my professional life now at this stage. Um not being so tied to having hard outcomes oh. to being really open to what is going to happen next and not having to have the answers right away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love that. Someone recently said to me, a mentor of mine, she said, Jennifer, you're really good at planning and you're really good at outlining and you're really good at like forecasting. She said, and that's great. She said, but you have to leave room for magic. Oh, yeah. And I, I love like, that. Oh, yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> forget about magic. <laughs> I love that true. Too. It's so true. <laughs> How do you define success? I don't want it to be as general as just saying happiness. I think success is having the ability, right, to create what that looks like for yourself. To be empowered enough to create that, right? Mm-hmm. So... And happiness, we all define that differently. Like the way you define it, the way I, you know, I yeah. mean, and for me personally, so success is maybe just knowing that I will always have the freedom 
to make any choice that I want that serves me and the, you know, the people that I love the most. Mm. Yeah. Mm, I love that. I love that. Okay. Lightning round of questions. Oh, I love this. Ocean or desert? Ocean. You were insulted that desert was even on the table. Dust in all my private parts. And gosh, that's one of the reasons why I didn't end up going to Burning Man. I'm just going to say Burning Man. Yeah. (laughs) Burn, baby. Um, Favorite junk food? Nutella. (gasps) Oh, girl, you're singing to me right now. (laughs) I remember discovering Nutella when I lived in France, when I did a semester abroad. And it was like, where have I been living? Like, the angels I, sing <laughs> the, literally. when you take a spoonful of that. Oh they do. <laughs> I mean, that was part of my 30 pounds I gained in France. That and all the booze I drank and all the croissants and fresh bread and brie. I know, but That's it's worth it. It's worth it. Oh, I'm, I, yeah. Uh, movies or Broadway show? Movies. You took a moment on so I took you, a moment because I just like, I mean, there have been some powerful Broadway shows I I've been know, to, but I, I, I tend to really get immersed in a movie theater. Yeah. yeah in a different way. Yeah. 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 There's a different intimacy. Different. Yeah. 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 Daytime sex or nighttime sex? 24 7 sex, <laughs> yes, girl. girl. Oh my God. I, I had a feeling that was going to be your answer. <laughs> um, texting or talking? Oh, talking. I can't stand texting. Mm. Talking, please. Mm. Cat person or dog person? Dog person. I'm allergic to cats. Mm, me too. Yeah. Have you ever worn a unitard? Maybe as part of a Halloween costume? <laughs> oh, lingerie, kind of. No, no, no. 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 Like, is a body unitard. stocking like a unitard? Yeah, body stocking. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Then, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I bet you looked really hot in it. Okay. Um, Shower or bathtub? Bathtub. Yeah. Ice cream or chocolate? Chocolate. On a scale of one to 10, how good are you at ping pong? All right. This is so embarrassing because I'm half Chinese. I suck. I suck balls. Ping pong balls. I suck at it so much. I suck ping pong balls. Oh, my God. What is your biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet peeve? When people are late. Oh, thank God I was on time today. I'm always on time. I'm always on time. I mean, it happens, but I just think it's like, you know, I think I've always, it's something about, like, I've always been early, Me early too. for meetings and Me stuff too. like that. I was I just, actually early here. I sat on the street oh, for 15 minutes because I didn't want to ring your doorbell too you're early. You're so cute. We could have come I, in and started. Well, but I'm that same way too. And I get so anxious if I'm going to be late. I get like severely anxious. So I'm always just, I'd rather cool my heels for half an hour yeah. having gotten there too early than have the anxiety of being late. It's such a, it's a sign of, for me, it's it's a gesture of consideration and respect for someone else's time. It, it's an easy yeah. way to show them how yes. important they are yes. to you. And when you're late, and it's one thing, look, if you're late and, you know, gosh, stuck in traffic, it's yeah, like, things happen. make a phone call yeah. or, you know, or send yeah. somebody a text, say, look, I'm sorry. But yeah. when people just show up late, yeah, that's kind of like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you could push a button and it would make everyone in the world 7% happier, but it would also place a worldwide ban on all hairstyling products, would you push it? Yes, I would. But I got to tell you, this girl loves her hair. That's a tough one. You have really good hair. I appreciate that. You have really good hair. But I wouldn't because I'd make the right decision. (laughs) Superpower choice. Invisibility, ability to fly, or super strength? 
super strength. Mm. I like super strength. Yeah. I think we women already have it, but I wouldn't mind an extra Agreed. dose of it. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. Um, would you rather have a penis where your tailbone is or <laughs> a third eye? The penis works and you get an orgasm from yep. using that penis. Fully functional. Penis. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want more orgasms? <laughs> I'm just thinking of this now. And this is episode, I think you're episode 69. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> I love that number. So I think you are. I think you're six. Oh, no, wait. I think you're 71. Oh, that's the oh, year I, I just was, gave that was, Sorry. That's okay. okay. That was the year I was born even in. So better, that's even, even, better. Better, even better. Yeah, even better. I'll take it. But, um, I can't remember. But anyway, what I was going to just say was it's just realizing after 70 times of asking that, I just realized I should have made it so that you could fuck yourself with your own penis. I didn't, <laughs> I should have said, ah, oh, damn it. Now I'm going to have to. <laughs> kind of like male yogis that can give themselves yes, blowjobs. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Respect for any guy that can do that. That's all I'm going to say. Respect. <laughs> Hashtag respect. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag self blowjob. That's right. Oh my God. Yeah. What what was the name of your first pet? Jimmy. Oh. Yeah, it was a little, he was our dog in Taiwan. And my mom said he looked like a peanut farmer. So she named him Jimmy Carter. (laughs) (laughs) And what was the name of the street you grew up on? Oh. And you can pick. I can pick anyone. Oh, okay. Pine Tree. So your poor name. Is Jimmy Pine. Jimmy Pine. Pine. Jimmy Pine Tree. It sounds like I need to break out a banjo. I think so. Right? I'll think... send the movie Deliverance went through my head. Ding, 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 ding. Oh my God. Christine, thank you so much. Aww. You're just a joy and a treasure. Jennifer, I love you. Thank I you for you. thank you for having me. I had so much fun. Oh, I really too. did. It's such an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Christine. Join me next week for episode 70. 70, you guys. Oh my God, that's a big milestone. I'm going to be celebrating by bringing you a solo episode with just me. And I have a few other little surprises in that episode as well. I can't believe it. Episode 70. This is big time. This is big time. And remember to go to clutchgifts.com to get your gift code of MILF15 to get 15% off. I love you guys.